The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Thanks for tuning in to episode 39 of MMA on the Rocks. Today is Sunday, March the 12th. It is Daylight Savings Weekend, which I think came a little bit early this year. Although, I never really came track of it. It seems to always kind of sneak up. I'm joined, as usual, by Jeff the Animal Wilson. Jeff, how are you doing? Bill, it's cold as hell up here. We got a a nor'easter coming, which I think is is New York talk for a really, really bad snowstorm. And, uh, dude, I've been sleeping all day. It feels like my body feels like jet lagged. I don't know if it's the time change or what, but something's weird. Well, I'm sure your body's feeling a lot better than Vitor Belfort's because he got flattened last night and... He just, I mean, he just does not look the same. He looks deflated. So, of course, we're going to be talking about UFC Fight Night 106, which took place last night in Fortaleza, Brazil, with the main event being Kelvin Gastelum in his second fight at middleweight against the phenom, the legend, Vitor Belfort, who is most famous now for coming off of testosterone replacement and just not looking like the greek statue he looked like in his prime so how much of this card did you catch jeff and what was your reaction to this main event here i was able to catch some of the finishes i got the last three fights in and the Oliveira fight and i believe one other fight okay on the main all right, well, we'll tackle him as yeah. we get to him. So what was your reaction to the main event here? Holy cow, first of all, because uh, there were times where Vito Belfort, you know, he landed some nice combinations, but Kelvin Gashlin was just too much for him. He dropped him the first time, and I thought it was over after the first knockdown. But Vito managed to uh, mount some defense and get up from the down position. But then Kelvin Gastelum got him with a with a quick one-two, and then another one-two, and the ref called it at that point. So credit to Kelvin Gastelum, dude. Yeah, I mean, he took out he took out a legend. He definitely added that to his resume. Vitor is a guy who has been relevant almost since the start of this sport. Uh, he's been around forever. He was around in the early UFCs. He's one of the first light heavyweight champions. Uh, now he's at middleweight, and he's just accomplished so much in this sport, and he he's done so many things, and he's done so much steroids. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's he's one of the most notorious guys for, you know, he he's come out and said basically like, yeah, I do TRT, and it it helps my performance a lot, and you know, ever since the, it's been banned and with a strict drug testing the UFC has been under with USADA 
Uh, he just hasn't been the same. And somebody on Twitter who I have to shout out because this was just the funniest thing I read about the whole night. Um, she said, Vitor's boobs sag more than my grandma's. Hashtag UFC Fortaleza. <laughs> so that, that was that was Kristen, who uh, she's at KRSTN on the coast on Twitter. Uh, so some some pretty good one-liners coming out of her. So I had to acknowledge that. Uh, but yeah, I you can't take away from from Kelvin Gastelum what he accomplished in in knocking out Vitor Belfort but no matter where he is in his career he's still dangerous and he still showed glimpses of the old Vitor I mean he he still has some incredible hand speed uh for a guy who's about to yeah. turn 40 uh very soon I think maybe next month so 39 years old I mean TRT or not this guy has always had some of the fastest hands in the history of the sport and um you know we saw glimpses where he was he was throwing out some combinations and he had he had gasoline on his bike a little bit for you know a couple of seconds in this fight uh i mean my my opinion on gasoline is a little bit swayed because you know how i feel about guys who consistently don't make weight uh it makes me feel like they don't care enough so if he's a guy who can do the things that he's accomplished in this sport, it, imagine if he were dedicated enough to get himself to the weight where he wants to be and fight there consistently. I would like to see him stay at middleweight because I don't want to hold my breath before a fight and see if he's going to make weight or if he's going to have to pull out of a fight or 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 whatever the case may be. I, I feel like he looked good at middleweight. Um, you know, the only concern is when he gets in there against some of the bigger middleweights in that division, the Luke Rockholds, the Yoel Romero's, the Chris Weidman's, the Gegard Musasi's, who, you know, Gegard is coming down from 205 to take the fight against Chris Weidman. So I don't know how he would fare against guys that size. And, you know, he did well against a deflated Vitor. He did well against uh, Tim Kennedy, who had a 12-year layoff or something like that um, and basically put him into retirement. And uh, he had a good showing against Johnny Hendricks. Who's, and that fight was at welterweight, but neither one of those guys could make welterweight, so they're both basically middleweight. So I consider that a middleweight win as well. What do you think about Kelvin Gastelum's future, Jeff? Where, which division would you like to see him in? And if it's at middleweight, how do you see him doing against some of the larger bodies in that division? Well, Kelvin Gastelum, I like him. You know, despite all the weight problems and everything, I think he's a good fighter. He won the Ultimate Fighter in a season where he was a massive underdog. Everybody had it as a foregone conclusion that Uriah Hall would win that season of the ultimate fighter yep. and Kelvin Gastelum came in and put it on him for three rounds. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Gastelum, he's, he's got what it takes to be a good fighter. He just needs to get his mentality right now. Yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. So I'm curious to see the same as you, how he would do against some of the bigger middleweights, like, you know, like you said, Chris Weidman guys who could probably make two Oh five easy. And I, I don't know. I really don't because Gastelum, He's he's got 
very short limbs for middleweight. I would love to see him fight at welterweight more often, but like we've discussed before, he has a hard time making weight. I don't know if he likes the churrascos and the tacos <laughs> and, and and the pernil bill, which if you don't know, pernil is pulled pork. Oh, I do. Unfortunately, just... I know a little too well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, Gashulam last night called out Anderson, the Manderson Silva. Uh-huh. I don't know how wise that, that was because if he does get that fight, Silva is a bigger middleweight. He's fought at 205 before, and he's got long limbs. He's got he knows how to use his reach, and he's got that funky style, man, where he lulls you into fighting forward, but he can fight moving backwards. So you never know what's going to happen. So I don't know if that was wise on Gashlin's part. Yeah, I think it was a good move on his part. I mean, let's face it, Anderson Silva hasn't been the same since. One, being knocked out by Chris Weidman, but especially since breaking his leg against Chris Weidman. He he just hasn't had that same killer instinct. He gets in the cage and he plays around a little too much, and it's good to see that he still has fun with it, but he's not the killer that he once was. Um, and if Kelvin Gastelum is going to go on this, you know, legend killer tour... I think it's a good place for him to start. I think it's a good statement for him to make if he wants to stay at middleweight, and I think it'll be a good test for him. I think the the opposite, actually. I think it's a bad fight for Anderson Silva um, because you know you got a young, aggressive kid who can knock you out. I mean, Anderson's lost his last couple of fights, but his stock hasn't really gone down that much. Because he wasn't embarrassed in those fights. You know, yeah, he got laid and prayed by Daniel Cormier. Uh, he won the fight against Derek Brunson. A lot of people thought he lost, but he, you know, he didn't really take much damage in that fight. Uh, he didn't take any damage in the Michael Bisbing fight. I thought, uh, I actually thought Anderson won that fight because Bisbing was a mess after that was over. Um, but this might be a mistake for Anderson. Um, Especially if he still wants to have any chance of making a title run, which, hey, anything could happen, especially in this division, because there's no telling. There's no telling. There's no rhyme or reason to the matchmaking in this division right now. I mean, we have we have George St. Pierre, who's <laughs> going to be fighting, you know, coming off a three-year layoff as the – he left as the welterweight champion. Now he's challenging for the middleweight title out of nowhere. Um which is making a lot of people take a back seat. Uh, so if if George St. Pierre were to come in and beat Michael Bisping, you know, GSP and Anderson Silva is a fight that the the people have been asking for for years and years. So it would make sense to put that fight together, you know, whether Anderson's deserving of a title shot or not. I could I could totally see that happening just because I feel like GSP wouldn't do too well against some of the bigger bodies in the middleweight division and, you know, just the demand for that fight. So I know I threw a lot out there, Jeff, but what do you think about uh, the Gaslam fight being a bad move for Anderson Silva? And what do you think about GSP coming out of the blue and uh, supposedly is going to fight Michael Bisbang? I, I guess he renegotiated his contract and... He's going to fight Bisping, but we don't know when. I know Bisping just had a knee surgery, so I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. Maybe the end of the summer. 
but I, I guess it's going to happen. So let's get your thoughts on those two things, Jeff. Well, first, I got to disagree with you, Bill. I think that Silva would be able to beat Gastelum. I don't think he could finish him or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I think Silva, just just because of experience and he's been in the octagon with, with really tough guys, uh, I think he can win. I think he'll struggle, don't get me wrong, because Gashalem is a good wrestler, and we've seen Silva struggle with wrestlers before. Sure. But we've also seen him come out on top against wrestlers before. And sometimes he's left it really, really late, like against Chael Sonnen the first time they fought. Yeah. So um, that addresses that. And as for the GSP versus Bisping, um, I, I, it's funny because I was watching the post-fight show last night, mm-hmm. and... The, the commentators that were with Bisping were, were basically saying, we don't think you can beat George St. Pierre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I agree 100%. I don't see Bisping beating GSP. I don't even see Bisping beating some of the higher middleweight contenders like Chris Weidman or Luke Rockhold. If they had to fight again, I would give it to Luke Rockhold. But um, anyway, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, GSP versus Anderson Silva... We're looking a little bit far ahead here, but I think that would have been a great fight six years ago. Yeah. When both of them were, were tearing it up in their divisions, you know. Um, you have GSP, who had, like, nine successful title defenses. Mm-hmm. Silver's got the record with ten. I think, like, six years ago or something like that, when these guys were in their prime and they were they were just running the table, I think that is the time when they should have fought each other. Yeah, I agree with you. That's when... I would have liked to see it as well, but from a marketing standpoint, I think it would sell. I mean, Bellator, the highest ratings they ever did was uh, Ken Shamrock and Hoyce Gracie <laughs> in their 50s. Um, so, you know, for the nostalgia factor alone, you would be you would be roping in pay-per-view sales l- like none other. I mean, you got GSP, who's one of the all-time uh pay-per-view kings and anderson silva too i mean between the two of them they they, i can't think of two guys who have sold more pay-per-views than these two combined but um yeah i was thinking of it just from a marketing perspective I, i think that fight would definitely sell if gsp were to come in and beat michael bisping which i actually think is a pretty tall order because you know bisping's pretty big he's fought at 205 before I mean, he trimmed down a lot since that season of The Ultimate Fighter that he won uh, at 205. Um, but he he's still a big middleweight, and he has excellent takedown defense, and he's got great boxing and kickboxing, and he's long and rangy, uh, which you know gives GSP a lot of problems because his game is is closing the distance on people and working his jab from the outside. And uh, taking them down and controlling them. And, and Bisping's a guy who's really hard to take down and control on the ground. Uh, probably went off on a tangent there. But um, who, who knows what could happen with this division? I mean, we have to kind of see it play out. Uh, for the immediate future, I'm more excited about the Weidman-Musasi uh, fight. But we'll see what happens there. Let's jump into the light heavyweight division and the fight last night between... Mauricio Shogunhua and John Vellante. Uh, I thought this was one of the best fights on the card. Uh, I thought it was really back and forth. And 
uh, you know, Gian Vellante, he hits really hard, and Shogun really showed us uh, something that we haven't seen from him in a while. I mean, he was really gritty in there. He was taking a lot of shots, and that finishing combination was just beautiful when he put uh, Vellante away in that third round. I thought he looked a little bit soft. I mean, Shogun's never been the most ripped guy in the world, but when I first saw him, I, I was a little worried. I was like, "Oh no, this is gonna be, this is gonna be bad news for him because Volante is gonna come in and rip through a, a doughy, aging Shogun." But uh, he proved me wrong. What were your, what were your thoughts on this fight, Jeff? I actually really enjoyed this fight. I thought that, like you said, there was a real ebb and flow to the fight in the first round. John Volante, it, it looked like he had control. Uh, he landed some really hard shots, and Rua, I don't know if you noticed this, but to me, he looked a little wobbly at one point in the first round, mm-hmm. but then, as the as we went later into the round, Rua really started finding his range, he started picking his shots, and John Volante really did not have a lot of head movement, so in the pocket, I thought Rua was really, really good, and after the first round, I felt like in the second round, he had a lot more control than in the first round. Yeah. And in the third round, like you said, that winning combination was beautiful. Uh, you know, like like I was saying, Volante wasn't using his head movement, and he got caught. Yeah. I mean, listen, Shogun is a guy. I, I'm a huge fan of Pride, and I was a big Shogun Hua fan um, when he was back at, and dominating in, in Pride. He was the king of the foot stomps, uh, you know. Yeah. Clips that are going to live on in in MMA history forever. Uh, he's not a guy that that gets me excited when I see him on a card anymore. Um, you know, his last couple of fights, out of his last four fights, I mean, he had two uneventful decisions against Corey Anderson and uh, Lil Nog. That I don't even really remember those fights. And then the two fights before that, he got knocked out. Uh, but I mean, this is a guy who I, I guess I don't see going away. And he said he's got one more fight on his uh, on his contract, I believe, and he wants to fight in Brazil again. So there's another card coming up in Brazil. Uh, uh up until last night, I, I haven't been excited to see Shogun, but after last night, I kind of want to see Shogun <laughs> get get back in there and mix it up. I mean, I feel like. He got back to his roots. He got in there against a guy who, you know, stood up against him. And, you know, he reminded everybody what an amazing striker he is because he's really one of the best strikers in history, if you think about it. Um, what do you think about what's next for Shogun? And what do you think about John Vellante, who, you know, didn't look terrible Put a put up a good fight. Didn't really listen to his corner. Wasn't moving his head that much. But um, I, I still think that he's a he's an exciting prospect. He's only thirty one, so I think he's got a future. So what do you think's next for both of these guys, Jeff? Uh, as for Shogun Rua, like you're saying, yeah, he got a little bit stale in his most recent fights. I think that he really hit uh, a bit of a roadblock when he lost to John Jones. Because mm. after that, he started to really accumulate losses, and it would be one fight win, the next fight he'd lose, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So uh, I think he's been able to rack up a couple wins, like you said, 
Three wins is good for him. I, I would like to see him again fight in Brazil. I feel like these Brazilian fighters are basically almost invincible when, when they fight in front of their home crowds. I don't know what it is. Unless they're named the Vitor Belfort. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> but I mean, you know, um, just real quick, you know, back when he was on the HGH, it was good. But sure. um, also, you know, Brazil had different rules for for the levels of uh, HGH and TRT or whatever you could have in your body than the United States. So, you know, and it was a different era. Like you said, it was the beginning of the UFC. But anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to see John Volante fight again. He hits he hits pretty hard. Yeah. Um, you know, we, uh, there were a couple of holes in his game. Uh, his record isn't super spectacular with the loss last night. It's 15, eight, but I, I did like seeing him scrap with Rua. So I would like to see him in there again. Maybe, uh, he could work a little bit on his technique, maybe become a little bit more of a technical boxer because like we said, he wasn't moving his head too much. He, he was kind of just eating shots with the, what I call the Oscar De La Hoya defense. <laughs> yeah, just blocking punches with his face pretty much. He wasn't moving his head at all, uh, despite his corner begging him for it. The other thing to mention, too, is that Shogun was a little flat, but he was also battling injuries for most of his career after Pride. So from the first time he came into the UFC, he had, you know, his knees were torn up and back problems and and all of that um but let's jump into probably the most exciting moment of the entire card and that was the devastating knockout of Benil Dariush by Edson Barbosa who just seems to be a human highlight reel uh he was losing the fight I think on a lot of people's scorecards and came with a flying knee from the middle of nowhere uh, in the middle of round two, and just killed Darius dead in the middle of the octagon. Uh, I mean, it was perfectly timed, perfectly placed, and just had so much power behind it. And, I mean, this guy's putting together, I think, one of the most impressive highlight reels of all time. So I I know you weren't watching live, so I was trying not to text you any spoilers, but I wanted to talk to somebody about this when this happened because I was kind of going nuts, and I'm usually pretty even keel when I'm watching these fights. I just kind of analyze them and, and tweet jokes about them, but I was, I was freaking out when I saw this. It was pretty spectacular. What was your reaction to this fight, Jeff? Yeah, dude, I was in complete shock when when I saw that finish because mm-hmm. like you said Barbosa was losing on the cards I, I felt like he was losing the first two rounds Darush he's got good stand-up man I mean yeah Barbosa's a really good Muay fighter but Darush was su- is such a good boxer and he was landing a lot of shots he was picking his shots really well uh fainting and and faking a lot of shots it was just it was this was a really good technical display for any of you guys who really enjoy striking and then Barbosa, out of nowhere, he eats a right hand in the third round and then just comes up with the knee from hell. Second round. And just, like you said, I, oh, second round, I'm sorry. No but, dude, I thought he killed Dariush because the way his body just collapsed yeah. under him. He went stiff. It, it was scary. And it was, it was spectacular. Yeah, it was spectacular. I thought it was such a good fight. Very, and... For me, I thought that was knockout of the night. That was awesome. Oh, yeah. That might be 
that's definitely going to be a knockout of the year contender for sure. Um, and here's a guy, he he has, of course, the spinning wheel kick knockout of Terry Edom, which is on every highlight reel ever. And then he has, uh, he, he finished the guy with leg kicks in um, Javiello Oliveira. And then he's finished finished Evan Dunham with body kicks and he basically finished Gilbert Melendez with leg kicks. I, he didn't finish him, but I mean that was the story of that fight. The, those uh, lead leg, those um, front leg kicks that he uh, was killing Gilbert with that entire fight. And now this flying knee KO. I mean, it, it's pretty safe to say he's got some of the most dangerous legs in the division and possibly in the sport. Uh, the the reason I don't particularly care for him is because he's another one of these guys who doesn't make weight sometimes but uh you know he was on weight last night against Darius who you know is a is definitely a solid competitor I he he had um you know a lot of people sing his praises but man Barbosa is looking fucking nasty and uh I'm getting tied up in my words here because I think I just got so excited by this knockout because it was one of the most awesome things I've seen in a while. So any other reactions to this one, Jeff? Yeah, so, Bill, I I thought this was an absolutely phenomenal finish from Barbosa. We've seen so many other finishes like the ones you just mentioned, and this guy's racking up that highlight reel, man. I think it's going to really shoot him up in the rankings. Yeah, for sure. Um, so something that may not affect the rankings too much was the fight right before that. And that was, uh, Ray Borg and, uh, De Silva. So unanimous decision for Ray Borg. I think he, uh, probably won the first two rounds and lost the third. Uh, I wasn't that into this fight. Did, did you catch this one, Jeff? Can you hear me? Jeff? You still on the line, Jeff? Yeah, I'm so sorry. I didn't even hear your question. Um, I wasn't that into the Ray Borg and De Silva fight. Did you catch that one? Yeah, Bill, I'll be honest with you. I didn't even bother to go back and watch it. All right, let's move on. Uh, so Marianne Renault and Betchkoea came to a majority draw. And a lot of people seem to agree that this fight was a draw. I only caught the third round in this fight, and I thought it was awesome. It was very back and forth. I mean, these girls were getting after it. I would definitely enjoy a rematch. Did you see this fight, and do you care that it went to a draw, Jeff? I did not watch this fight, unfortunately, but I I do like watching Betch Correa fight. So she's a really tough chick. We've seen her knock out some of the um, Ronda Rousey's faction, I guess you can call them, mm-hmm. the four horsewomen. Uh, <laughs> we've seen her beat Jessamine Duke and Shayna Baszler. So, you know, she's a tough chick. So to see someone actually take her to a draw is a huge testament. But I didn't catch this fight, unfortunately. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think I'll go back and watch that one. Uh, if anybody has some differing opinions on that, 
then uh, please feel free to reach out to either one of us and let us know. So the fight before that, Alex Cowboy Oliveira and Tim Means. So Cowboy had gotten dominated by Tim Means the last time they fought. And Tim Means landed an illegal knee. And he didn't think it was an illegal knee. So he was very upset the fight got stopped. It was ruled a no contest. Uh, I, I guess it was like right around the time the rules were being changed about what constitutes a grounded opponent. So there was a lot of controversy there. But in any case, in this one... Cowboy Oliveira, who's not known for his submission game, I mean, he's a more more of a Muay Thai fighter. He uh, came back and he submitted Tim Means in the second round with a rear naked choke. Did you catch this one? And if not, what's your reaction anyway, Jeff? I actually did catch this one. I thought that uh, Oliveira did a good job of uh, really making Tim Means carry his weight around the octagon, and we we saw we did see a little hole in his game in terms of grappling because there was one takedown that Oliveira went for. Uh, he tried to pull Means down and we know Means is a good wrestler so he ended up right on top of Oliveira which was probably not the desired effect for Cowboy. Um, but hey, he ended up coming back in the second round. He got the rear naked choke uh, so good for him. He's improved his grappling a little bit. He made Tim Means work in terms of grappling so good for him that he got that one back. Yeah, for sure. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing these guys go at it again. I mean, the first time Tim Means dominated the stand-up, second time Alex Oliveira dominated the ground game. So um, I would kind of like to see this one run back a third time just for that reason. So I'll throw a couple of other things out here at you, Jeff. And, you know, like we typically do with the bottom of the card, Whatever jumps out at you, just make a comment on. So Joe Soto gets a unanimous decision over Ronnie Yaya, who's uh, you know submission specialist, and he's he was on quite a win streak. And then uh, Michael Prezeris, uh submits Josh Berkman, Ultimate Fighter winner, not not winner, Ultimate Fighter alumni who has been in and out of the UFC for the last ten years or so. And then uh, Jeremy Kennedy with a unanimous decision over Honey Jason. So out of those three fights, Jeff, any of those jump out at you that you want to make a comment on? Or did you see any of them and have some commentary on them? Unfortunately, I didn't see anything on the undercard. So I got nothing for you, Bill. All right. So those were the results. And we're going to skip the analysis on these because we didn't really see them. But we're just kind of reading about them. But if you have opinions on them, we always want to hear them. Another thing I want to reach out to you guys about, so if you are following this show and uh, you're following the show on Twitter at MMA on the Rocks or you follow Jeff on Twitter at Animal underscore Wilson on Twitter, um, you know that I usually ask you guys what you're drinking during the fights and I love when you guys respond and especially when you respond with pictures of what you're drinking. So let's keep that up. So here's what I'm thinking. I want to start a hashtag on Twitter, and I want some suggestions. So reach out to me on Twitter or reach out to Jeff. Either either way, it'll get back to uh, the show. And let's get some suggestions for what you think a good hashtag would be for 
people who enjoy adult beverages during MMA contests. And then we'll start using it from here on out. So it'll make it easy for me to search through what you guys are drinking while you're watching the fights. And I can find some new drink recipes or some new craft beers to try out. And you guys can share your opinions with us. And we'll do some occasional shout outs on the show. So let's do it that way. So if you have a suggestion for what the hashtag should be, it should involve MMA or UFC and drinking or alcohol in some fashion. So we're open to suggestions. So reach out to us on social media and let us know. Uh, speaking of alcohol, Jeff, sip it on anything interesting lately. Yeah, I actually, I know we talked about Jim Beam on the show before, mm-hmm. but I finally tried Jim Beam Apple, which I've been putting off because I don't really like fruity tastes with my harder liquors like bourbon or whiskey. Sure. But, Bill, holy crap. <laughs> I was I was drinking some Rebel IPA, which is a Sam Adams beer, as you know, mm-hmm. and... I I love how good that is. So tasty. Um, shout out to Sam Adams. But I said I saw Jim Beam Apple on the counter, so I was like, you know what? I'll try one of those, and I loved it. I thought that the apple added this nice little sweetness, but it wasn't too overpowering, so it made the the bourbon so smooth. Uh, for those of you who have not tried Jim Beam before, and you want to get into it, I would strongly suggest starting with Jim Beam Apple. I feel like that's such a good segue into. Some of their harder stuff yeah i've always said that jim beam just the the regular bourbon is probably the best bang for your buck uh in terms of the value you get it's not super expensive but it is super smooth if you just enjoy like a whiskey and coke at home or a whiskey and zevia as i prefer uh if you listen to the show before you know i'm a big fan of zevia cola and all the different flavors they put out because it's zero calories, zero sugar, and it doesn't leave that grimy feeling on your teeth. So I really like the Jim Beam mix with that. Uh, the Jim Beam honey is pretty nice as well. So the, um, I like the Jim Beam apple too. And, uh, you know, you have to have like that perfect balance when you're putting something sweet with hard liquor. Um, uh, in the fall, you might remember we did the rum and apple cider. So that's usually a good combination. I'm not a big fan of sweet. I don't have a a sweet tooth. Uh, So it was even a stretch for me to venture into the hard apple ciders, which we talked about on the show last week. If you caught episode 38, we were talking about some, some hard ciders there. So I'm not big on the sweet, but... Yeah, uh, a good call on the Jim Beam Apple, Jeff. So what'd you get, just like one of those little shooter bottles? Yeah, I was actually in a bar Thursday, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I was just hanging out. I was having Rebel IPA with some Tomor Dew. thought that was a good mix. And then I just saw the Jim Beam Apple, and I've seen all the commercials with Mila Kunis in them, Mm. and she's pretty hot, so why would she lie to me, Bill? That's solid marketing right there. um... Amen. You know, I wonder if she actually drinks Jim Beam because that would make her, you know, infinitely more attractive if she did, I think. Um, So something I tried recently, you and I are both fans of Sierra Nevada. Uh, We've 
done i think several episodes where we've talked about their pale ales and their ipas so i, I tried a seasonal i went to the movies the other night and the movie theaters here in florida serve alcohol so they had sierra nevada on draft and they had their tropical torpedo ipa which is kind of a citrusy ipa and you know like i've just said i'm not a big fan of sweet so when i hear citrus and beer um typically a little bit put off but you know i said to myself it's sierra nevada i want to try it and it's actually really nice it's a really light but still hop forward ipa and you know the citrus is really on the back end so it's i wouldn't call it sweet by any means but uh the citrus definitely lightens it up a little bit so sierra nevada tropical torpedo jeff i uh i recommend you check that one out um Another thing I wanted to talk about and address, uh, I've seen a lot of people criticizing the UFC posters on Twitter that have been coming out. So just the fight posters for the pay-per-views. And when they come out, they're pretty basic. And there are some awesome graphic designers on Twitter. Boss Logic is one of them uh, who, who create some amazing pieces of art when it comes to uh, the fight posters and they they have been a little bit basic lately and they've always kind of been that way so one thing I wanted to get across to people who listen to this show and you know people who follow the show on social media you can't really blame the artists the graphic designers who are making these posters because the way a big corporation works is first of all there's probably an agency that's under contract so they're creating these posters and the ufc has to use them second of all it's not creative or or artistic people who are making the call as far as which posters are distributed it's usually brand marketing executives who decide what has to go out there so there are brand guidelines and you know, a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of corporate bullshit uh, as far as what materials and assets are distributed to uh, market a UFC event. It has to have a certain look and feel, and it has to be consistent. So, of course, there are much better artists out there, and maybe the people who are making these flyers and posters are better artists than they're showing, but they're restricted by brand guidelines and corporate assholes and that's just kind of the way these things work um so my whole point here is don't criticize the artists who are making these posters they probably have their hands tied and they're just doing what they're told by their corporate masters and that's the way these things work uh any thoughts on any of that jeff on sierra nevada or ufc posters one yeah, I'm definitely going to pick up some Sierra Nevada probably tomorrow night because if this nor'easter hits, I'm praying to God that there is no school for me on Tuesday <laughs> because because I don't want to go to work with a hangover. There you go. Not that I'd have, not that I'd have one anyway. But um, moving on to the posters, I actually really like the posters. I actually am looking. Um, Bill, you've never been to my house before, but in my room, I actually have a poster. For UFC 190, uh, which was Rousey versus Correa, mm-hmm. I believe that was in Brazil, and I actually had it framed, and I love it. I love the design. I, th- I like. I feel. I feel like its beauty is in its simplicity. You know, I don't want 
a big flashy thing. I don't want a piece of art. I just want to see two fighters who, you know, are there on the poster. And uh, my poster actually has stats for each fighter on each side. And I love it. I, you know, and like you said, I mean, what, I don't know what people want. I mean, it's just a poster with people on it. It's not a comic book. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe there should be a comic book for people who, you know, want a little more flash in their graphic design. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, you're never going to please anybody. I mean, they could put out the most epic poster of all time. There's somebody going to be on the internet saying it sucks. Uh, So the next MMA event we have coming up is Fight Night 107 from the O2 Arena in London, England. And it's headlined by Jimmy Manoa and Corey Anderson. And looking up and down the card, not a lot of star power, but usually those are the cards that have the most action in them because it's people who are making, uh, looking to make a name for themselves. So um, any thoughts on this main event or this card in general, Jeff? I'm looking at the card right now and just looking up and down at it. Nothing really sticks out to me, mm-hmm. uh, but who knows? You know, it could end up, like you said, it could end up being a really action-packed card. I do like Jimmy Manua. I'm not his biggest fan, but you know, I'll watch one of his fights. Uh, Brad Pickett is on here, who I do like, but I feel like he's getting up there in years. Uh, Gunnar Nelson, who has proved that he he, I feel like he can put on a good show. So, and he's fighting Alan. Uh, I can't say his name. Juban? Yeah. I believe. Uh, he's the guy who used to be like a model, right? I believe he still is a model. I believe it. I mean, he's shredded. So, yeah. Uh, I'd like to see that fight. Juban, his last outing, he, he had a very good performance. I believe he won that fight. I forgot against who, but uh, Gunnar Nelson also coming off a win. So I'm more excited for that fight than the main event itself. Yeah, I mean... Uh... I always say with these cards, the the less the less fighters you recognize, probably the more exciting the card's going to be. And then uh, Irish Joe Duffy is on this card as well, who uh, handed Conor McGregor one of his only losses uh, outside of the UFC. Um, so, you know, he may be a guy to uh, keep your eye on. Um, any other news or or fights announce fight announcements that uh, you've heard about recently? Jeff, that you want to talk about or get off your chest? Bill, I want to talk about UFC 211 because I'm so excited for it, but we got to save it for another episode. (laughs) Now is not the time. Yeah, well, we got to see if that main event actually happens, too. Yeah, um, that's UFC 210, Cormier versus Johnson. Oh, right, right. Uh, Yeah. But UFC 211, the card is looking stacked. But I don't want to get into it because I'm already getting excited about it. I like UFC 210 hasn't even happened yet, so we gotta gotta take this one night at a time. Yeah, we gotta pace ourselves here, Jeff. All right. Other than that, anything else you want to get off your chest? Uh, I checked out John Wick 2 this weekend at your recommendation. I loved it. I thought it was so cool. I thought they did a good job of using jujitsu, wrestling, and judo for many of their fight sequences. And overall, it was just a fun ride. Yeah, so let's talk about that for a minute. So I really enjoy these movies. I saw John Wick, uh, the first part. I uh, downloaded it on iTunes a couple of weeks ago, 
uh, when the second one had just come out and I said you know what let me let me check this out and I have to say I checked it out because Dana White was talking about it on his Instagram I believe it was so I was I, I usually don't go for these action movies because they're a little too uh, out there for me a little too unrealistic which you know I like I like watching fights so for those of you who are tired of hearing us talk about fights, uh, we can talk a little bit about a movie about fighting. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought both of these movies were awesome. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil anything that happens in them. But yeah, the fight sequences are really awesome. And Keanu Reeves, who I believe is fifty-one or fifty-two years old, uh, really does an amazing job doing his own stunts in these movies and he learned martial arts to actually pull off a lot of these movies he did a lot of judo and a lot of jujitsu and uh you saw them in reverse jeff so which which one did you prefer now i liked part two a lot more but again it's probably because i saw it first i also really liked the soundtrack i thought that whoever made the soundtrack did an awesome job uh i feel like we kind of forget about music in movies but the music is so good for John Wick. I, I felt like it did such a good job of setting the tone for the scenes that were coming. And like a Jason Bourne movie, because stuff like that is boring to me. But with John Wick, I thought that they did a good job of telling a story. And I like Keanu Reeves. He's done a lot of charity work outside of acting. And he's even, at one point in his career, he said, you know, I have enough money to be set for the next couple of centuries. So... You know, he's overall, he's a good guy. And, you know, these fight sequences, they looked so natural. Yeah. Times. They so, really did. You know, yeah. Yeah. I thought, you know, if you're ever free on weekends, you got nothing to do, go check out John Wick 2. Really yeah. Fun. Or rent John Wick, uh, you know, whatever preferred streaming media site you use for movies. All right. So, with that, I think we'll wrap things up here. So if you have any differing opinions or you have any opinions that agree with anything we've been talking about, reach out on social media. You can find me at MMA on the Rocks, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or you can go to MMAontherocks.com and you can send me a message that way. You can find Jeff at Animal underscore Wilson on Twitter. And let us know what you think about the fights. Let us know what you're drinking during the fights. Let us know... What hashtag you think we should start using for drinking during the fights? And in general, let us know what you're thinking and drinking. That's all we got for this week. Until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>